Powered by Libsyn, the largest podcast host and distribution network since 2004. Libsyn.com. Hey guys, Michael Babcock here. Hope you're doing amazing. Feel free at any point if you're on this live and you want to leave a comment for Maxwell or myself to drop a message in the chat window. Assuming that technology is actually working, then I will see those messages. I have that chat window open in a separate window. Uh, Maxwell Ivy is my guest today, and we're going to be catching up. I'm going to call this Catching Up with the Blind Blogger because it's been just about a year since we were last live together. Hey, Max, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. And uh, for anybody who's wondering, because I've had this question before, I drink out of a out of a shaker cup because it keeps me from spilling stuff on my clothes. It is not alcohol in there. It is is uh, green tea with mango today, just in case anybody's worried, okay? Uh, oh, come on, Max. We're all adults here. No, no, no. A little get, bit of alcohol no, in there. No, I ain't going to complain. No, 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 no. No, my surgeon gets upset if he even hears I'm drinking caffeine. So, no, no, we're not talking. Uh, <laughs> actually, yesterday I did an interview, interview for my own show called uh, What's Your Excuse?, and uh, I didn't have any of my coffee left. There was nobody in the house to see me do it. So I drank some regular caffeine. And my co-host, Frederick Bias, said, Max, what did you do today, man? Because you were on. He said, you <laughs> I, I, thought, I, said I had caffeine for the first time in th- three and a half years. <clears throat> that caffeine can do some interesting things to you. Shout out to Ben Bloomgren. Ben, thanks for joining us live. I appreciate you. We had to overcome some technical issues to get it going, but we're here, we're live, and we're ready to rock it. Max, can you introduce yourself to people who might not remember you from that November 19th interview you did with me? Right, right. Well, as we both know, even um, uh, lots of new people find you online every day, so it, uh, it, it helps to continually reintroduce yourself. I'm Maxwell Ivey. Uh, everybody that knows me or likes me calls me Max. Uh, I'm also known as the blind blogger. Um, I also help people sell amusement equipment online. So some people know me as Mr. Midway. David Rafe calls me the blind terminator. Um, I'm thinking of creating a page on my website with all my various nicknames. But the point is, uh, I basically do whatever I have to do in order to move myself, my business, my family, my friends forward. I uh, love meeting new people, making new friends, taking on new challenges and opportunities. Um, There are a few things that do scare me, but not many. And uh, a lot of times the things that uh, I am afraid of, I just go ahead and do because uh, depending on who you believe, some people say I either don't know enough to be scared or I have a fearless soul. I'm not sure which. You can find me at theblindblogger.net or midwaymarketplace.com. Preferred social media uh, connection is Twitter, which is at Maxwell Ivy. On Skype, I'm Maxwell Ivy. And if you go to my website, click on the contact form. Uh, Don't be afraid to just reach out and say hi. You don't have to have a purpose because I'm one of these people I firmly believe that every time you talk to somebody new is an opportunity. You don't exactly know what, when, or how it will impact your life, but something good or positive can and will come from it. So that's... Uh, that's not the, that's not the long story, but it's not the short version either. Hey, I appreciate it, Max. And if anyone is interested, you can click on any of those links Max mentioned in the show description directly below this video. 
unless you're on the iPhone, and there seems to be some accessibility issues with that, but don't get me started on that. Uh, ben, to answer your question, I'm going to address this question on the chat that you threw out here. We are actually just using Hangouts on Air, or as YouTube sometimes calls it, YouTube Live Events to host this Hangout. Uh, and I'm on my computer. I believe, Max, you're on your computer too, correct? Yeah, I'm on my computer. Uh, I, I If I were doing a Hangout where... Um, if I was doing a hangout that was a private hangout, I would do it on my iPhone because it's actually easier on the iPhone than on the, uh, than on the laptop. Amen. However, if I'm how, yeah, amen. Thank God. <laughs> However, if I'm doing something that I know is being produced for public consumption, where it's a, where I will have people who can see watching me, I prefer my laptop because it allows me to center or mostly center my face because I know that it annoys the heck out of people if they are trying to listen to me talk and, you know, they're seeing my chin or my, uh, my ear or my hair or whatever. Now it's not perfectly centered, but, uh, it keeps me from having to have additional equipment or having to, to drag one of my family into the room and go, okay, am I centered now? Or how do I, how do I hold this phone so that it looks like I'm talking into it? Well, hey, as long as you figure out what you need to do with the, to, to make your face be in focus, because unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, we live in a sighted world. So uh, they, they don't like to just stare at your chin, at least in, in my experiences. So uh, glad to hear that. Ben, it's going to be hot there. I, you can send me some of that heat. He says it's going to be 85 degrees in Arizona where he is at. So. Um, well, it's, it's going to be in the 70s or low 80s around here, but... Uh, I don't know. It didn't feel warm to me this morning when I went back to sleep because I was cold. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the thing, what we were just talking about there as far as uh, me trying to get my face centered in the screen, there's, there are lots of big and small challenges that, that everybody has, uh, whether you're sighted or not, uh, as, as, a, as in our cases. And the real question you have to ask yourself is, are you going to allow this uh, this this problem to keep you from accomplishing your set goal or, or dream. And some people find excuses and some people find solutions. And for the most part, I fall on the side of people who find solutions, even if sometimes uh, they're not the solution I wanted. But uh, it, I always fall back to my to my one core belief and the thing I share with most people more often than anything else. And that is just do it as well as you can today and then you can worry about doing it better tomorrow. And Max is the guy who I got the phrase, and some of you have heard me saying it, uh, do or make today the best day of your life and then do it again tomorrow. So I kind of stole that from you, Max, reworded it in my own words, but uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I've got a list of questions here, but before we get into these questions, uh, Ben actually threw a question specifically out for you, Max. And that's why I like doing these uh, live is you guys can participate and get your questions out there. Ben said, so if I'm not interested in amusement equipment and uh, stuff like that, why should I follow you, Max? Well, because the amusement equipment nowadays is only a small, a small part of what I do online. Um, and to be quite frankly frank about it, the reason I don't have a Twitter feed for the blind blogger for the Midway Marketplace for Max Wiver, the reason I have all these Twitter feeds is I just don't have that kind of energy. Uh, <laughs> it takes I, a lot of energy, trust me, it does. Yeah, and, and you know, a, a really good friend of mine, two, uh, two and a half years ago when I started the blindblogger.net, a really good friend of mine, a woman I trust, a woman I believe, Adrian Smith at adriansmith.net, uh, referred to as the blog commenting superstar, 
you know, one of the real uh, smart people, period, not just smart women on the on the net. She's like, Max, there's going to be some crossover between what you talk about for both sites. Why in the world are you creating a second website when you don't need to? And uh, at the time, I told her, I said, you know, my audiences are so dissimilar and they have different expectations, especially on the level of personal stuff that I share online. I really think I need two sites. But the longer I do this, the more I'm like, Max, why didn't you just stick with or why didn't you start a new website for MaxwellIvy.com and then move the midway and add the blonde blogger to that to that website? And so, you know, it's a it's it's one of those things. Uh, if they follow me on Twitter, I would say it's probably going to be anywhere from 60-40 to 80-20 uh, inspirational, motivational, sharing other people's uh, informational posts as opposed to me talking about amusement equipment. So if they're trying to f- if they're looking for a reason why or they're trying to figure out if if there's a reason why they maybe they shouldn't want to follow me, don't worry about the amusement equipment stuff uh, occasionally. And oh, by the way, if you don't follow me every once in a while, you're going to miss those posts where I go, Hey, I sold something. Uh, <laughs> those are exciting. I, I feel the excitement off of uh, when you sell something, uh, here in Oregon and you're in Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, you may be missing some vital positive energies, uh, you know, because I don't sell a lot of stuff. I, uh, the amusement industry, the equipment is expensive. It's, uh, it's not easy to to uh, to process a sale, even once you find buyers and sellers that that want the same thing. As I like to say, uh, I I said this last year when I was selling that train. I hmm. said, you know, it's funny the 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 owner wants to sell this train, the buyer wants to buy one. This should be easy, but uh, no, it ain't. So uh, the stuff doesn't sell that often. So even when things are going great on the Midway Marketplace, I figure you might see somewhere between. Uh, four or five posts a year to 10 to 15 posts a year. And that's posts that I feel like they're relevant enough that I'm going to tweet about them. And right. that's, you know, that's the other thing is not everything I do for the Midway is going to end up in the Twitter feed. Now we've been talking a lot about the Midway. Thank you for bringing that question out, Ben. And if you have any other questions, feel free to drop them in the <laughs> chat below. <laughs> but Max, we've been talking about the Midway. Can you tell people how you got started online and what the hell is the Midway? Okay. I am the uh, third generation, a third generation carnival owner from Texas. And my dad had a small seven, eight ride carnival. I helped with the bookings and I operated some kids games up until about three years after his death, when I finally realized that the carnival was not going to be my future. And so I figured I needed something else to do. And this was before I realized that I knew a bunch of stuff. It was, this was at a point where, as I like to say, um, I didn't think I, I didn't know anything else or I didn't think I knew anything else. And those are both the same thing. And they are both the same thing. You know, Henry Ford's famous for saying, whether you think you can or think you can't, both ways you're right. Well, at the time, I didn't think I knew anything else. I had helped my family sell amusement equipment when we needed to. Because when you run a small business, oftentimes you can't buy newer stuff, much less brand new stuff, unless you can sell the old stuff. So I had done it for uh, family and relatives. I figured what the heck, let's see if I can make a profession out of this. Uh, I finally got uh, so fed up with the way my games were going that I founded a, I got my first domain name, midwaymarketplace.com on September 29th, 2000. 
and seven, which was nine years ago last month, which means I'm only a year away from doing this for 10 years. <laughs> Big milestone five years ago, as most people know about anybody that's doing a small business. But uh, when I requested the domain name, I'll show you how I'll show you how disgusted and frustrated I was. I filed for a, do a domain name, not even really knowing what a website was or how I would build one if I got one. And I had to call my brother in Florida and go, hey, Michael, I've decided that I'm going to start this business and try to make a profession out of it. Uh, I've come up with a name. Would you please see if it's available? And if it is, will you register the domain and help me get started? So uh, I had been thinking on it for a while. And I, I later realized that Midway was was uh, was not such a good name to pick, but it's worked out for me. Uh, I told him Midway Marketplace because I wanted it to be uh, about selling anything related to the amusement industry. Little did I know at the time that they only call them Midways in the United States and Canada. That they call them uh, they call them different things in other parts of the world, and that by calling my site Midway Marketplace, I was doing i was doing one of the one things i didn't want which was making my site uh regional instead of international because i i wanted the site to you know to have the entire world uh you know anybody anybody working in carnivals circuses party rentals whatever related to that stuff anywhere in the world and i accidentally picked a name that was just here in the us but i did have a lucky accident uh, surrounding that name uh, when I was trying to help some people sell a roller coaster in Ohio, they had a message board for the coaster and for the defunct park that it was in. And on the message board, they started calling me Mr. Midway. And Mr. Midway has stuck. It's become my nickname and my brand name for my online work as, as far as selling amusement equipment goes. And it's an example of where sometimes the name you, the name you pick uh, you know, it, it all depends on, on how people see that name. And sometimes the best names aren't the names you pick for yourself, but the names other people hang on you. I love, I love that. I gotta, I gotta jump in here because that coincides with the blind blogger. And I had a problem with calling myself the blind guy when it comes to WordPress at the blind guy or, uh, over the shoulder course, course creation with the blind guy. And any of you who follow the channel or podcast, know that those are, are a couple of courses that I'm in the process of getting wrapped up. And uh, you you mentioned that the name kind of grows on you, and, and those weren't your exact words, but how did you come up with the name or the domain, The Blind Blogger? Yeah, see, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't, or at least up until, say, a year ago, I was not targeting visually impaired people. I was not making an, an effort to go out and meet blind or visually impaired people. I was promoting a business, uh, the Midway Marketplace, that would be the only blind guy working in that business. So I was uh, associating in Facebook groups and on message boards where I was the only blind person that these people knew of or knew about. And, uh, you know, one of the first groups I got into really strong into for blogging was the, the uh, bloggers helping bloggers group over on LinkedIn. and as I would post or leave comments on other people's posts, because I would mention the fact that I was a blind, that I was a, a former carnival owner, I would mention that stuff in my comments and my posts. People eventually just started calling me the blind blogger. And as many blind people know, 
quite often you are the only blind person in your circle of friends or at your workplace. So it becomes a, a way that oftentimes people will refer to you. And so when I did need a website, decided I wanted to start the second, uh, second site separate from the Midway, I asked people, I said, what should I call it? And they were like, Max, we've been calling you the blind blogger for a year. Why don't you see if that's available? And so I did. And not really even understanding this whole uh, should I or shouldn't I call myself or be open about being blind that goes on in the in the visually impaired community pretty much every day. Uh, just not really, you know, knowing about that whole discussion. So it really didn't bother me at all when they wanted me to call myself the blind bloggers. Like it was a very natural thing to do. The only problem I had was the blindblogger.com was already taken. So I had to go with .net. Um, apparently there's a guy who posts about his drinking habit. And so for some reason he calls himself the blindblogger.com. Um, I'm not making that up. They can go look for him. If his website's still up and running, that was always posts were ever about about once a month. He'd post a, he'd post about a drinking binge or, uh, about having blacked out while drinking. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I, you know, um, but there are, there is a there is a discussion, a conversation, a debate that goes on amongst blind people every day is how open do I want to be about being a blind anything? And, you know, for you, having worked in the uh, let's call it industry or profession, you know, because you did uh, teach at a rehab center in Alaska for quite a while before you started your own business. For you, this would be something you would have really known about and been in tune with, and it might have bothered you. Me, uh, I really didn't have a problem with it. I just wasn't sure what to call myself. And thankfully, I didn't have a problem with it because it's uh, it's it's stuck. It's grown on other people. Uh, fewer people have a problem with me calling myself the blind blogger now. But what's really great about it is if you Google blind bloggers or any phrase you can think of with the words blind and blogger in it, you're going to get me on the first page, if not the entire first page of Google rankings. So it's great to be found. It's great to have a brand name that uh, people know what to expect from you, which is from me. They know to expect that I'm going to inspire and motivate and uplift and encourage by example. They know yeah. that they know that I'm all about taking small steps towards achieving big goals and that I would, would that I love to coach people who are stuck, who need some help in uh, goal setting, brainstorming, accountability, and those sorts of things. So they know exactly what they're going to get from me. And I, I actually had a uh, a, uh, a conversation with my editor Lorraine regularly of WordingWell.com, who uh, edited both of my my first two books when I was was trying to decide what to work on on my next book. I told her I was going to make it about my. Uh, about my trip to New York city as part of winning the Amtrak writer in residency this year. And her first reaction to that was Max, you're not a travel writer. You're an inspirational, motivational <laughs> self-help writer. Uh, re remember who you are when you start, you know, promoting that you're going to be working on this next book. And, you know, uh, for a while I was a little upset about that. Cause you, you know, you, you kind of like your friends to agree with your projects and support them, but at the same time, you also want and hope your friends will point out to you when you might be doing something that isn't so good for you. But that, and the more I thought about it, the more I, the more I thought, you know, she's right. I'm not a travel writer. Uh, I'm not a travel blogger. I'm not a travel vlogger. That's not who I am. Um, I would have to make the trip about 
the getting there and the people you meet and the problems you have to solve as opposed to uh, just going on the trip. So uh, I would say that if you're looking at being in business, your brand name has to do two things. One, it has to be something unique that you can claim credit for, that you can hang on to. And if somebody else tries to use it, you can tell them no in the form of filing a lawsuit against them. But the, the more important thing is it has to be something that when people hear that word, they know exactly who you are and what you do. Yep. Yep. And yep. I've been I've been very blessed that, you know, I've I've got two businesses so far. And in both cases, I didn't pick the names, or at least I didn't pick what I'm called as far as as far as how I run those businesses. And by you know, by allowing those uh the people around me to name me. Uh, I've done pretty well. I've got, you know, um, I'm on the, if you look for used amusement equipment, I'm on the first page in Google. If you look for new, I'm not so good. If you look for, uh, if you know, there's other phrases, other keywords, I don't, uh, I don't do so well on Google, but, uh, it's, it's just, it's just crazy the way, um, I didn't pick either nickname, and both of them have worked. And I kind of think it's kind of like a dog. Um, people are going to think I'm, they're going to wonder what the heck I'm talking about for a minute. But if you notice, this is just me. I've had some great dogs in my life. I have, I've only had one or two dogs that, you know, I was like, eh, uh, I don't remember them very much. I've had some great dogs. The dogs in my life that have been great dogs, I didn't pick them. They picked me. Yeah. You know, they found me. Somebody gave them to me. You know, they adopted me, not the other way around. And I think it's kind of, you know, that it, that's kind of the way it's been with me and branding. And, you know, I understand your whole thing about uh, about wanting to refer yourself as a blind guy instead of the, or maybe not even referring to yourself as a blind person or not even emphasizing that you want to work with blind people as your client base, because that's something that coming from the rehab field, is something you were exposed to a whole lot more than I was. And I, and I want to mention one thing before I forget it. Um, you know, uh, I, you've mentioned taking questions from the chat box. I purposely have my chat turned off because the only way I can do a conversation is to turn all the tech noises off so that I can concentrate (laughs) on you. And, you know, so, so sometimes I, I run on a bit and, uh, and sometimes it would be kind of cool to, to, to know who's, who's watching and listening and hear their questions. But for the most part, if they don't ask you the question or if they don't ask it to me in advance, they're not going to get their question asked from me. So I just want to let you know that I'm impressed <laughs> that you managed to do that because you're doing it with speech as well. And you've got the same number of, of voices in your head. Electronic ones, that is. Okay. I'm glad you clarified that one. <laughs> Electronic voices in your head as I do, except you've got the you've got one or two more in order to uh in order to keep up with the uh the chat box and the questions people have coming in. So. <laughs> well thanks for that. I, I appreciate it. Max, a couple of things came up while you were chatting and uh sharing that with us. And number one, I don't know if you knew this, but keep your eye on it. The blindblogger.com expires December sixteenth of sixteen. So, um, yeah, but see, that's a mirage because that, it was set to expire September 30th of last year. And we sat around watching that darn thing and you have to wait so many days after it's over with yeah. before, because they have to give the person who lost it the right to get it back. So 
who knows? Maybe I'll be able to grab it January 1st. That'd be a cool way to start the new year. But tell him, uh, whoever posted that, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> because that's one of those things I let my brother, uh, Michael, pay, uh, follow for me. Yeah. And uh, he usually will tell me when that domain is getting close to expiring. But uh, he's been driving. He's been he's been doing he's been putting in a lot of hours driving, uh, driving tractor tra- trailers for Purina in Florida. So he may have oh. missed it. Yeah, you know, my brother, he, he my brother is a very talented airbrush artist, and it's not just me who says that about him. Um, he has painted the facades or marquees, depending on how you refer to them, mm-hmm. on some of the some some on some rides in this country that cost uh, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, before he quit painting, he did murals on restaurants and even did a mural for a museum once. He's you know very talented. Uh, he just doesn't enjoy the business side of it. Yeah. And he, uh, he hates uh, the part where he finishes a job and then they want to argue about the money. (laughs) I think most business people hate that aspect of it. (laughs) Yeah. But apparently it happens. Apparently it happens more with creative people and they are less, um, less equipped to deal with it when it happens for the, for a lot of creative people. It's just something they, it's something they, they, they uh they just they have such such a bad taste in their mouth for doing that a lot of times instead of uh instead of fighting and arguing and getting their full worth they just take what they can get and move on to the next job and that's not all creative people because there are some very profitable you know there's some there's some rich artists out there i know this but uh there are also some people who who do great work as as authors musicians filmmakers who uh who only pay their rent because, because friends and ha- family help them occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and as long as you know, your value though, it, it more often though is easy to easy to get what you are well worth it. But you, the, the biggest aspect of that is knowing what your value is. And I think you're right. A lot of people undervalue themselves. I'm guilty of doing that. I'm sure you're guilty of doing that. Talking about value and money, Max, just, just a, a out of right field uh, question for you. What's the most expensive uh, piece of equipment that you have on the midway right now? Um, new, I guess I better, better answer that new and used. Um, I represent a company called rides in front fun out of Italy. I have yet to sell a ride for them partly because they have yet to deliver a ride to the U S and with all the regulatory stuff, it's one of those things where nobody wants to go first because there's a fear that they'll spend lots of money buying a piece of equipment and then either won't be able to use it or will have to invest a lot more money in order to make it where they can use it. So, uh, but they have, uh, amongst their offerings, uh, they have a new, uh, a new roller coaster that sells for $2.4 million. And that's not much of a roller coaster. <laughs> they, they offer custom design packages, but no, you know, if in order to in order to get a price on that, then you would have to tell them kind of what you're looking for before they would give you a quote. But yeah. um, used the most expensive piece I have on the midway right now is a a coaster which is actually from your part of the country. It's a it's a portable it's portable now. It's called the Windstorm. It was in a park in Seattle out on an island. A, a, I'm pretty sure you probably know of the park if if the name doesn't come to you right away. Um, my friend that has it for sale actually went and dismantled it and moved it back to the mainland uh, one barge load at a time, which is 
which is oh. which is which is a fun way to disassemble amusement equipment. It's also <laughs> the way, it's also how you get it cheap though too. You know, if you 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 go to them and you go, look, this is what it's going to take for me to get this ride out of here. They the prices generally start coming down. Um, it now moves on nine semi trailers, counting the photo booth, and it is listed for one point two five million dollars. Wow, big money! The, big yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, the most expensive ride I have actually sold to this point was a, believe it or not, was a portable zip line that I sold for what was eighty five thousand dollars that was sold a couple of years ago. I sold an Astro. My one of my favorite sales was one of my first big sales. It was a it's a it's a ride called the Astroliner. It's the it was a model called the Jules Verne Astroliner. That they only built four of. There's only one left in the entire world. I sold it to a guy from Australia. He sent his kids up to inspect it. Um, they looked it over and said it was a great ride, and they put it on the ship to Australia. It uh, had some trouble getting into the port in Australia. It had to be inspected three times. Uh, the ride cost him fifty thousand. It cost him another hundred thousand to get it where he could operate it. But the guy is one of my is one of my biggest supporters. He's never complained, whined, or moaned about this investment he made. He's like, I wanted the ride. You found me the ride. It's all on me. But the thing that makes this ride my favorite is it was my first big sale. But also, what happened to the ride after the guy who I sold it to uh, decided he wanted to sell it? I didn't get to do this. I would have loved to have been able to claim credit for this. This ride is now part of a um, a triple X adult themed thrill park in Australia. And the, oh wow. And, and you, you remember the you remember the end of the Austin Powers movie where they're talking about that spaceship that blows up and how it looks like a giant fill in the adjective? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what this ride looks like. <laughs> it's been repainted so it looks even more like that now. Um but it's part wow. of you, don't ask me the name of the park, but you can Google it. There's a triple there's an adult themed uh, amusement park in Australia, and this Astroliner is now there as one of their attractions. So, see, wow, I, wow. I, well, see, I, I grew up in a carnival business. I love a good story, and to me, that's the end of a good story. There. Yeah, yeah, that that definitely is. You should be making more videos about your your rides ending up in adult themed parks. <laughs> yeah, well, if I could figure out some way to get somebody to take that video without a whole bunch of nude people ending up in it, I might do that one. But yeah, um, that, that might be an issue. <laughs> but but now that you mentioned that, I do have an appointment on my calendar for next year. Um, I sold I sold a train to a guy up in Minnesota. This guy's eighty four years old. His name is Richard. Uh, Richard Sherbrooke, he's in Cormoran, Minnesota. Three years ago, he decided that the people needed something for the kids to go do, so he started his own park. Mm -hmm. He bought the remaining rides from the Kittyland uh, in Chicago, Illinois, that went out of business. They had an auction. They had like seven or eight rides that didn't sell at the auction. He went and made them an offer, bought the rides, set them up. He's got a, he's, I think this next year will be his third year. I sold him a train this spring. And he is convinced that that train is going to be ready to operate by July 4th of next year. So me and him and the woman who used to own the train, we're all going to get together in Minnesota and ride this train for its first trip around his park. Well, there you go. And and uh, again, you know, I'm all about multipurposing. So there's some video content there, Max. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gets even better than that. The woman who sold the train is even better at this than both of us. She has, she had, when before they bought the train, 
she went and got all the old footage, all the old film and video from the parks that had been in before she owned it. So when this thing opens in Minnesota, Ooh. they're going to have like a little museum of all of the video. People are going to go be able to go in and they're going to be able to see photos and have a little mini museum and watch the watch the uh, the film from uh, uh, from Rocky Point Park in uh, Rhode Island and Santa's Village and and uh, and even some some film from the, a wedding that was done at, at her property out in San Diego when it was when they were using it. So, uh, you know, she's going to turn all this into a little museum and they're going to you know charge like a quarter or 50 cents a piece to go through the museum at the park in Minnesota. And uh, <laughs> and she's but she said that there's it's going to she said it's going to cost Richard. And he asked, what what's it going to cost him? And she said, she said, the first day I want to drive the train. <laughs> and and i take it since it's still moving forward richard has no problem with that no he has no problem with it at all um the train's on a loop it's not going anywhere you know what i mean right you know um as long as she doesn't insist on trying to navigate it through the switch into its storage bar and i doubt they would have any pro- but you know richard's one of these crazy people he's almost as crazy as you and me are um he's currently in the process of building his own miniature paddle wheeler so he can give rides on the lake next to his park and and one thing to remember, guys, is Richard's 84. He's not no 20, 30-year-old guy. He's 84 doing all this stuff. So <laughs> yeah. his, when, his, every time I talk to him, he tells me the story. He said, you know, my, he said, you know, my the other day I was talking to my daughter, and she wants to know when I'm gonna retire and start playing golf and drinking like all of her friends' dads. <laughs> Never. <laughs> that's what he that's what he said. He he actually bought a condominium in in uh, Arizona where she lives. And two weeks after he was there, he rented it out to somebody else and went back to Minnesota. <laughs> this is too boring for me. <laughs> so, yeah. So and, that's, you know, oh, go ahead. And you know, I I honestly believe that if you follow, if you go go around and you research, uh, you research stories about people who live late in life and who uh, are who have their mental faculties and who are in good physical health, mm-hmm. I would say over ninety percent of the time, you're going to find out that they either continued to work. That they after they quit working, they started volunteering. They found some sort of a reason to get out of bed every morning, and I, I say that because one of my favorite quotes comes from George Burns, and he lived to be a hundred. And he always said, "No matter what you do, at least get out of bed every day." I like that. Now, I, I sometimes just need to shut up and let the person I'm interviewing uh, take the conversation because you just <laughs> rolled right into my next question, and that is, Max, when shit hits the fan, how do you stay motivated? Well, I I don't know. I think that it has a lot to do with how you it has a lot to do with how you approach the shit hitting the fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you can look at it as oh hell, um, what have I got to do next? Or you can go well, this is an opportunity to do something I've never had to do before, or to to find a solution that I've never had to find before. Um, you know, there's, I, I wish I knew who's responsible for this quote, but everybody's heard them is that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how, how you control how it affects you, how what happens to you affects you. And I have gotten a lot of practice, you know, um, we used to joke in the carnival when we were traveling, we'd have a bad week. We would joke, you know, we don't need any more practice. Uh, but fortunately I've had a lot of practice and, I've had a lot of practice at finding the positive, at uh, figuring out a way to get to the next uh, minute, hour, day, next week. I think it's one of the best things that I ever, one of the best things I ever learned in my life was traveling with the carnival for for 12 years because 
when you travel 40, 50 weeks out of the year, you've got one goal. That's to figure out some way, any way, no matter how, to get to next week and get open on Thursday. And some weeks it's even harder because some weeks you got to get open on Tuesday. <laughs> but, you know, they uh, they don't care how you do it. They don't award style points. Uh, they don't charge you more or less money if you look prettier or uglier when you get open. As long as, as long as the rides are safe, there's somebody in the ticket box selling tickets. The They can buy a cotton candy or a funnel cake then you have succeeded as far as the local community is concerned. And so that's, that's what, that's what I do. And, you know, when this shit hits a fan, because, you know, uh, we wanted to start this thing we're doing right now at uh, 12 o'clock. We have been on YouTube live events together before, <laughs> and we've, we've had practice sessions and we've had actual calls. We've done both. Yeah. And we know that, pretty much every time we use this thing, the odds are we're not going to start on time unless we start early because there's always going to be something that doesn't work exactly the way we want it to work. That's, yeah. that's the way it was YouTube. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that's the way it is sometimes with my website or my blog or my podcast. Uh, yesterday, I realized that, uh, you know, I do my own show now called What's Your Excuse? Yesterday, I realized that we didn't even know we didn't have the about inf- the profile information on our guests for yesterday's show until 15 minutes before the call started. <laughs> um, so we started with their about me page and just started asking a bunch of questions and went from there. We let the guests, we let the guests tell her story. It turned out she had a heck of a story to the point where, you know, I wish we'd have had two or three hours, but uh, it's all in how you approach it. You can choose to be pessimistic, negative, negative. You can choose to hang your head and, and uh, I think this is just yet another reason why I'm going to be a failure and nothing ever goes right. Or you can choose to think, uh, okay, 99 things out of 100 went wrong, but there was one thing that went right. And that reminds me of something I mentioned in my first book, Leading You Out of the Darkness, Into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success. In that book, I refer to the movie Little Giants, which is a Disney movie. Uh you got a you got a, a t- you got a team of, of misfits against a team that you know the game should never be close. They start the second half on their first play. They picked up one yard, and the entire team looks around at the at the down marker when they when the official changes the marker from from first and ten to second and nine. They're like, "We gained one yard." And I know it's a Disney movie. I know it's an Oprah simplification, but sometimes that that's exactly what you have to do. You have to look around and find that one thing, person, or event that was positive today. And if you start doing that, uh, it won't be easy in the beginning. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And I like to say that with practice, anybody can do it. And eventually you can get to the point where you can find a rainbow in a thunderstorm or that one little ray of sunlight in a coal mine. (laughs) And some days even I have trouble doing it. but if you tell yourself it's there, if you know that it's there, if you look for it, you can find it. Or, I like that. yeah. Or if, here's another one you might like. Uh, finding the positive in your day is kind of like finding the TV remote. As long as you know that it's in the living room somewhere, you eventually will find it. <laughs> or finding the selfie stick remote. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know that, but how do you find something that's lost? You start by looking where you know it's supposed to be, and nope. that's it's the same way with 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 finding something good that happened today. You know, you look through your entire day, 
but you look through your entire day knowing that there is something in there and you have to find it. Um, and now I, if, if you get to the end of the day and you realize that nothing good has happened during the end of that day, then the next thing you have to do is you have to figure out a way of just, of just forgetting about today and going on to the next day. Because uh, one of my favorite sports frames comes from, phrases comes from Calvin Murphy. He's one of the greatest uh, uh, shoot, shooters in Rockets history, if not NBA history. And he used to say that a good jump shooter has to have a horrible memory. He has to be able to forget the last missed shot and know the next one's going to go in. And I've, I've been reading, I've been reading power of positive thinking uh, recently. And there was one example in there that I loved. This guy had trouble um, letting go of his day when he went home from work and he, he went and bought one of these old style calendars that has all the individual days instead of just one sheet for each month. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of each day, when he get ready to leave his office, he'd go over to the calendar He'd tear the day's page off. He'd crumple it up into a ball. He'd say, God, uh, this day wasn't the greatest day or it was an amazing day. Either way, today is over, and I'm asking you for the strength to allow me to leave it here so I can go home and enjoy the time I have the rest of the day with my family. And that's, you know, that's another thing. Some days, every once in a while, you're not going to find something positive. Then you have to figure out a way to just put it behind you and go on to the next thing. one of the things that really helps me a lot is I used to do the booking for a car, for a small carnival in Texas. I made a lot of cold calls back before you could just send somebody an email and they didn't have to hurt your feelings. They didn't have to hurt your feelings live. Like they did like, you know, the, uh, then they didn't have, you know, now you can send somebody an email and if they were, you know, if they don't reply to the email or if they reply back and say, thanks, but no thanks, you know, that's, that's a much lesser level of rejection than, you know, having somebody hang up on you or tell you, uh, I'm, you know, there's no way we don't want you. Um, we've got so-and-so and he's better than you are. You know, you don't have to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I did that for 11 years hearing that, you know, probably about two and a half, three months out of the year, I would spend making cold calls. And whenever I would complain about it to my dad, my, my dad would go, Hey, uh, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. Now stop complaining about it and make the next call. <laughs> there you go. Get up and get up and do it and make make it happen. And you're right. It, you know, when you're cold calling, you you it's not only the no, we're not interested. It's as my wife often tells me, it's not what you say, but how you say it. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever have you ever been asked um why uh have you ever been told you do realize that you are offending me just by thinking that I would want your service to the point of calling me? Have you ever been told that one? No, um, I have not. But sounds like you have been. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was once told that by the Hempstead Watermelon Co- uh, Festival Committee. They said basically that they were too good to have a carnival ever. And the next year, one of my competitors, a show uh, run by a guy named Mark Stanley, booked that contract. The next year, uh, Mark Stanley had a Dodgem that cost more than the combined equipment my family ever owned in our entire business history. Wow. He had a bumper car that when it was brand new was $375,000. One ride. And he, he, he showed them pictures of about 25 rides like that. And they decided, well, you know, if we get new equipment from a guy that has a suit, then, you know, it won't, it's not, it's not the same thing. 
the really satisfying thing about the whole deal was two years later, Mark Stanley decided that he couldn't come back to Texas because he wasn't making enough money here in August. And he decided to stay in Oklahoma and Kansas. And when they started calling around trying to find another carnival, they realized that there wasn't anybody else in East Texas in August. <laughs> so the same people that talked to me as if I was dog crap and as if I shouldn't have even bothered to call, they had to book me and they booked me for 10 years before they were able to get somebody else. <laughs> well, Hey, at least you were still there and you were someone who, who they could have reached out to. Oh and, yeah. And they, yeah. And, and I didn't take the, and we, and you know, not that we could have, but we didn't take the, we didn't take the view of when they did call us, we didn't take the view of, Oh, we're still pissed off at you for not wanting us three years ago. We're not going to do this. You know, so uh, I like to say that one of the other things that I learned a lot about in the carnival business is they don't award style points. Nobody does. So stop approaching your business like it's the Olympics. There's two things mm -hmm. that work in the Olympics that don't work in regular everyday life. You get no value for degree of difficulty. So making it harder doesn't win you any extra points and they don't give any bonuses for style. So, you know, uh, yeah, I know sometimes they do if a website's really pretty, but have you ever seen, have you ever had anybody describe to you my original Midway Marketplace website and how God awful it was? No. Uh, I'll describe it for you cause I enjoy describing it. I'm going to send you the image so you can add it to the show notes if you, if that's possible. Yeah. Um, uh, I picked my colors based on the color names instead of the color numbers that <laughs> are in HTML. And so when you pick a color name, you get basically the strong colors in that color family. I picked yellow for the background because back when I had kids games, yellow always made the prizes look really good. Um, I picked uh, blue for the text, red for the links, and orange for the links that you've already clicked on. Well, one person once described this website to me as saying, Max, to start off with, your, your background is ice screaming yellow. Uh, mm -hmm. your, your text is Navy blue. Your, uh, links are brick red and I don't even know what to call that orange except maybe fluorescent. Um, <laughs> since I had no way to edit the fig, the images people would send me, I would have sometimes two, three, four different size images on the same page together. I mean, all kinds of reasons why this website shouldn't have worked, but I didn't obsess about the fact that it wasn't as pretty as it should have been. You know, I basically said, okay, the goal of a website for me is to give people a way that they can see the equipment because until they see it, they can't want it. And until they, until they want it, they won't buy it. So that was my ultimate goal is can they see the stuff? And I'm like, the website may not be perfect. The pictures could be better. Um, you know, but, they can see what they're going to go look at in person. If they want to go look at it in person, they can see what they're going to be buying. So uh, I sold, I've sold, you know, I've yet to sell a million dollars in one year, which is one of my goals. That's going to be my goal again next year to sell a million dollars worth in 2017. But I have sold well over, I have sold well over two, I have sold well over $2 million combined since I started nine years ago. Wow. Wow. And, and, and most of that was a crappy website. <laughs> it's surreal to think about that though like a lot of people say oh two million dollars is a lot of money and two million dollars is a lot of money uh one of the guys that i follow grant cardone he says that being a millionaire is the new middle class 
Um, but but to, to think about, you know, $2 million in nine years with a crappy website, that should be like, you know, people who are spending three, four, five, six hundred dollars on your website being built. You should be proud of that and not get tired of it after two or three months. So well, that's uh, why that's why I keep the picture. You know, I've yeah. since I've since I since hooked up with a webmaster. His name is Ashley Fox at madlemmings.com. And I hate to pimp another webmaster on your show because I know <laughs> that's what you do. But uh, Ashley helped me not only convert my website from yellow, blue, red and orange to black and white. <laughs> but he also helped me migrate over almost 200 pages of web content into the into the WordPress platform. So he did so much for him, for me. I'll forever be indebted to Ashley. Um, but the thing about it is, is, is uh, you know, he moved the site over for me. It's uh, it's much better. But that's why I keep the image of the way the website mm-hmm. was the last time I was still doing it the way I was doing it. And, and oh, by the way, if we're going to talk about things to be proud of. Uh, for anybody that's listened to this, I was hand coding this site with HTML, one line of code at a time. And I say that slowly because I now realize how big a deal that is, whether you can see it or not. If anybody out there has ever hand coded a website, which is going to become like being a dinosaur in another few years because yeah. everybody's using WordPress, Drupal, uh, GoDaddy, etc. But I hand coded my website, HTML, one one freaking line at a time for for five years before I moved to WordPress. And, you know, when, yeah, sometimes I broke it and took me a couple hours to figure out why, how I broke it and how to fix it. But them damn uh, greater than signs, damn greater than less than and slash marks. And, and actually, the, the, you know, the one that always used to get me in trouble the most was when I copied somebody's URL and it would be a long URL and the stupid web browser would insert a space in there. <laughs> And that all, it, yeah, yeah, I see it. I see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I keep the image of and uh, and I need to do a I need to do a better job of that. I keep telling myself that from now on, whenever I uh, whenever I pitch myself for a show interview, I'm going to send them that screen grab of the last the last time my website was me hand coding it because it does show you what you can do if you ignore uh, what isn't perfect and concentrate on other things that you can do something about, you know, uh, I may rag on my own website. I may, you know, I may knock it or, you know, talk bad about it, but I accepted that it was the best I could make it at the time. And I concentrated on the things that I could do something about, which was building an e- an international email list, uh, you know, growing my communities on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, referral key, merchant circle. Um, joining communities, forums, you know, um, replying to phone calls and emails from people who never bought anything from me and probably never will, you know, do all these things that I knew I could do well. I focused on that and didn't think so much about, well, Max, your website, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. Um, somebody, I, I, I used to say that somebody said this because it sounds better when I say that, but I now say it myself. My website was so bad that Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could have a fight over it. I mean, it was, ugh. it was horrible looking. It was awful. Well, I know that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. The sighted people, <laughs> the sighted people laugh at it. I forgot. I forgot my audience. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, uh, but so how many people do you know? I mean, I know you're a webmaster and there's a difference between having a webmaster, a website that's broken or that doesn't, f- doesn't fulfill the purpose of the website 
as opposed to a person who has a good, solid website, much better than mine was, but they are refusing to promote that website or their services because they're waiting on the website to be perfect or they're they're waiting on their email uh, pitch, pitch letter to be perfect. You know, how many people do you talk to on a, on a regular basis who they could be doing great work out there if they would just accept the stuff that ain't perfect and work on some other things for a while? Shit, I'm guilty of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. I, I, I completely I, – I know a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people who want everything to be perfect in order to, to move forward with it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Max, I, I'm also going to link in the show notes. Looks like archive.org has a copy of Midway Marketplace from November 20th, 2008. Um, All right, man. <laughs> I've, I love that. That's that's so cool on so many levels. I mean, think about it. My website has gotten enough traffic that somehow I've gotten indexed in archive.org, man. Yeah, 149 uh, instances of your website. You'll have to go to archive.org and take oh, a look at that. That is cool. That is cool. <laughs> I will have to go check that. I'm, I may have to find. I may have to mention that online somewhere. But that is so cool. I mean, it's it shows what happens when you when you put the effort in. You know, because. Uh, and I am going to send you, I, I do, I do keep that screen grab and I do send it to people occasionally, although more often than not, and I will admit when I do, I will, I'll admit when I don't live up to my own standards, more often than not, I send it to somebody after I've done the interview instead of before. And I need <laughs> to get better at that because it's a great example. You know, whenever somebody posts online in one of the Facebook groups that we're both part of about, uh, about websites and, and whether or not their website is good enough for, or whatever, I always reply to those with a comment about, "Hey, here's what my site looked like when I, uh, you know, several years ago before I got a webmaster, and here's what I was able to do because I didn't focus or worry about the website." And I and I am eventually going to record a podcast or I'm going to write a blog or something. I honestly think one of the best things I can do for people is just to teach them to just press send or just yeah. press publish. Because it's never going to be perfect. There's never going to be the perfect time. Hey, me and Michael have both posted podcasts that we knew when we posted them had uh, some pretty bad mistakes in them. But we went ahead and posted them anyway because there's a value in sharing your your mistakes. There's a value in people knowing that the people they follow not only make mistakes, but that they don't, they don't erase them. They don't wait until their own stuff is perfect while telling you to go ahead and, and do yours the way it is right now. I mean, uh, my first my first uh, video for the blindblogger.net was recorded in total <laughs> darkness because I didn't know the lights were off. Yeah. And this is a great, this is one of my favorite stories about the new website. The, I didn't know the lights were off because I have such little vision. If I don't look where the fixture is, I've got no way of knowing if the lights are on or off. People wrote, comments and they're like hey max we love the uh the imagery uh, you know you're you're talking about leading people out of the darkness and here you are sitting in a black room and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like oh that wasn't what i was doing and you know <laughs> but that's it, what you did <laughs> instead of instead of going yeah that's exactly what i was going for i i admitted that it was a mistake that it wasn't what i intended but it was better than what i intended and you know that re- that led to the um, that led to the mug that I've got for sale on my website that says making mistakes isn't the worst thing that can happen. Being afraid to make them is, and so yeah, I I've still got that post. That's my first video post. It's still up there. Y'all go look. Y'all, y'all can go look on the blindblogger.net if you if you think I'm making that up. But 
you can look at the comments and what? see that's what people thought when I posted that video. But do you remember the name of it? Because if so, then we'll link to it. And another uh, reference I to think, I think it's just I think it's just um, I think it's just leading you out of the darkness. Episode one. It would be the easiest way to find it. Um, okay, I'll take I'll, I'll find it and put a link to it in the show notes. So this is publishing on Friday. Another instance of that is. Anyone who's interested in hearing uh, all about uh, posting something that definitely isn't your best, go listen to Tuesday morning's episode um, of the Young Pay podcast. <laughs> You'll have a great example of that. Last night was not the best night for me to record a podcast. I, I, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know that I record them the night before and then I publish them. I have not gotten into batch recording episodes. I just can't. I, I should be able to because my episodes are typically only 10, 15 minutes long, no longer than 10 minutes long usually. And I should be able to batch record them, but I just I just don't. It's old habits, die hard. Um, and so definitely go listen to that episode. And Max, we've got about six minutes left for the hour-long uh, time frame that I was shooting for. So I want to thank you, number one, for that. Um, I've got two questions that I want to get out there, get into the world so that way you can answer them, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. Number one is... Max, and, and of course, I stole this from a guy that we know, a guy that we're, we're both connected with, Mark, over at Natural Born Coaches. Check that podcast out if you haven't yet. Um, Max, what is one online tool or service that you can't live without? You know, I, I don't know that there is one. Um, we got six minutes. You can explain <laughs> if you want. Ask, ask, me, ask me the other question. Maybe it'll be easier. Okay. The other question that I have for you is back in November, on November 19th, 2015, when we chatted last officially on the podcast, uh, you had just recently done a Kent University presentation. I think it was 36 hours beforehand, if I remember right. Um, Have you done any more live events? And if not, what are your live event plans for 2017? Okay. Um, I haven't done any more live events. The one live event I had scheduled in Austin fell through. Oh, yeah, I did do a live event. I did an online summit with Alex Ecorgi and the rest of the create the uh, creative mastery people that was done on Blab back in, um, was that, was that April of this year? I think. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. I love doing online. I love doing live. I love doing online anything because it means I don't have to figure out how to get from here to there. And <laughs> hashtag blind people problems. <laughs> yeah, that's a blind, it's a, it's, Well, you know, there are certain blind people who manage it better than others. I'm, you know, I'm not one of those people. I've, I, I have accepted that I'm much more likely to talk to somebody over the internet than I am in person to the point that I had to move the furniture in my room where I now have a place where I can set up and record video and audio and, and do a much better job of it. So, um, you know, uh, I, I tell you what, if, if I really want to do this so much, I am so committed to doing live presentations over the internet that I'm going to make the offer right now for the next person who has the guts the it's intestinal fortitude as they as they say in in professional wrestling the courage to to invite me to talk to their group live over skype zoom whatever format y'all want to use as long as it's not hangout <laughs> as long as it's not as long as well, i would even do hangout if i had noticed um if as if the next person that has the guts to schedule that i will do it for free i won't charge them nothing and I will give them the same talk that I would give if I were in person and charge them a thousand dollars for the event. Sounds good. 
that's that's definitely an offer to take uh take Max up on. Max, did you think of that tool, or have you not come no, up? No, I haven't. I haven't thought that's about that. Okay, I have, but I do want to say this. Uh, they if they want to find out more, if they have a question I didn't answer, go to theblindblogger.net, and if they sign up my email my email list, I will review one pitch email for them for free. And coming from the guy who is basically a prolific guest on podcast, radio shows, and other online media, I think I know a little bit about getting y'all accepted, booked, whatever phrase you want to use. And I feel really passionate. The best way I can help people is to help them just press send. So, yeah. so sign up my email list. I'll, I'll, I'll review one of your emails. And, hey, if you want to unsubscribe after you do it, that's fine. I don't care. Just give so- me the opportunity to help you. So, Max, since you couldn't come up with a tool or a service, I've, I've got to bring this other question out here for you. Back on that same date, November 19th, 2015, you had 87 subscribers to your mailing list. What are you setting at now? Uh, 152 on the mailing list, and I'm up to uh, almost 13,000 followers on Twitter since that was another number we discussed at that time. Yeah, I don't remember what number. I think I, I think you, if I remember right, and I'll have to go back and listen to the whole podcast. Uh, but that that was a long event. <laughs> this has been a longer event than we planned on. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said at the beginning, Max, this isn't going to be as long as our first time, and it's getting pretty close. But uh, but yeah, we t- I think back then we were looking at trying to figure out how the heck to get me past uh, past seven thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. It was seventy nine, seventy eight hundred, seventy nine hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and I was wanting to set a goal of of ten thousand, and you were wanting me to set a goal of twenty thousand, or some crazy stuff like that. I remember, <laughs> I remember taking your advice. I didn't meet the goal, but you know, for anybody who doesn't know this about Michael, he's one of these guys. There's an old Russian uh, proverb that says, "If you want to bloody a man's nose, aim for the back of his head." And uh, so, if Michael, if you tell Michael you're wanting to set a goal of a thousand, he's like, "Well, s- s- try to get five thousand." Uh, you come up short then you're still you know you're probably still going to exceed your goal that's how he rolls so exactly if you're going to work with michael you got to expect to be challenged to exceed your own definition of of success or at least try to um basically he's not looking to work with um he's not looking to work with people who don't want to be like the stars of their industry you know that doesn't mean you're going to be that person right away but you know i think you know, my sense is, is you like working with people who have, uh, aspirations, aspirations, motivation, and get up and go is, is definitely the type of person that I like to work with. Max, I'll give you another minute or so. Go ahead and tell people that how they can get in contact with you and all yeah. of the reference links will be in the show notes for you. If you miss something. Okay. The blind Skype is Maxwell Ivy. Twitter is at Maxwell Ivy. Uh, youtube.com slash Maxwell Ivy. If you want to check out my singing or some of the stuff I've recorded, uh, for my various podcast efforts. And if there's something you want to know, just ask, um, oh yeah, that's my email address. Just ask at the blindblogger.net. <laughs> Thank you, Max. I appreciate your time. We broke the uh, goal of staying under last year's time frame by about eight minutes. So thanks okay. for tuning All in, right. and I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. This has been Michael Babcock. The previous audio was a your own pay production. Connect with us for show notes and leave your comments on our blogs. Connect with us. We are on Twitter. Want to stalk us? Follow at PayOwn. Remember, it's your own pay. Do what you want with it. <laughs>